0: All right, hey, welcome back with your host ex-Google, ex-Facebook, multi tech lead. Today, we're going to talk about irrational human behavior. Now, as a software engineer, programmer, and tech lead, I have noticed a lot of people out there who are not behaving the way they should behave. You know, I'm a very rational, logical person. I'm a programmer by trade. Many other people out there, normal people are totally crazy, insane. And as a programmer, I'm able to recognize the fallacies in which the way people are acting. And I wanted to describe them for you as traits that you need to be careful about too. Because if you happen to befriend some of these people or even get into a relationship with them, they can drag you right down. So let's get into it. So the first trait and really one of the most nefarious ones is one I kind of label in my head as martyr complex, martyr syndrome. And what this is really about is learned helplessness. There are people out there who really, they enjoy the suffering. They enjoy the struggle. And I believe that they are fated to not be happy. You cannot make them happy if you give them luxuries or give them a good life. They will self-sabotage themselves because they define themselves through their struggles. So for example, let's say you finish dinner and there's one slice of apple pie left. Well, the martyr in your group is going to be the one who says, okay, you guys eat it. I'm not going to eat. I'm fine. I'm okay. And they'll just suffer. And you know, you're going to go eat your pie and you're going to enjoy it. And then after that, the thing is the martyr is going to come back to you and say, so what did you think? Did you enjoy it? do you want to thank me for that? Do you want to say anything for me? And they're going to come back and expect you to somehow appreciate them, respect them. They want some gratitude for that. And then who knows, maybe they're going to expect on their next birthday that you give them something really spectacular because they've been such a good person. And so this is somebody who's made a living off of the pity of other people and you can imagine actually most children this is how they act right you take a look at parents parents want the best for their children so they're going to ask the children to eat more to study more to go to school to clean their room or to go to bed on time but it turns out that the more the parent asks the kid to go to bed on time the more the kid is going to not want to go to bed on time and the person ends up self-abusing and self-harming themselves because they actually get rewarded for that through say more attention more pity and people just eventually caving into whatever demands they have like the kid will say well if i don't have to go to school tomorrow or if i get two extra pieces of candy then i will go to bed and the parent says okay i'll give you whatever you want just go to bed And so you can see this behavior can actually be learned and trained by perhaps bad parenting or people who are just spoiling the kid, giving them whatever they want and caving into every single demand. I would say maybe spoiled people in general may exhibit some sort of martyr complex where they don't want the good things in life because they've had, in fact, they've been spoiled by all of the luxuries of life that they actually learn to use that as a weapon to fight against authority and to actually get other things. And so this behavior, martyr complex, is really about making a living by, receiving pity from other people. And the dangerous thing about it is that if you try to give this person the good stuff, the luxuries, show them a good life, they will actually reject that and they may resent you for it. And they are fated to struggle throughout life because it is actually what they want and you cannot give them something else that they don't want. And so if they're addicted to that struggle, they may drag you into that struggle as well. Okay, moving on to trait number two that I've observed, and this is narcissism. So narcissism is more than just looking in the mirror and being obsessed with your own beauty or thinking that you're the greatest person on the world. And so it's really about the moral superiority of the narcissist and how they actually think that they are better, more qualified people than you. And this can lead to negative effects on the people in the narcissist's life. For example, narcissists are known for having zero ability to compromise, not being able to take critical feedback or anything. Type of feedback from other people they do not apologize in general and they're known for a lack of empathy and of course they will harshly judge other people and the best way I can characterize this is to imagine your relationship with say a dog and so even though we can all be friends with dogs and we love dogs there's a clear relationship where we're the master and the dogs are the obedient slaves and we do not compromise with our animals with our pets right? And we do not accept feedback from these dogs. Like, for example, if your dog could talk, and one day your dog came and said, hey, I think you have a problem. Let me give you some critical feedback on your personality. Would you even listen to your dog? Or would you just say, you know what, I don't even want to listen to what you have to say, because I'm better than you. Like, I'm just smarter. I know more than you, dog. So don't tell me what to do. And I don't want to hear it, right? This is the way that a narcissist would act because they just believe that they're born better, smarter, or with more morality than another human being. However, there is a critical thing about these narcissists, which is that they tend to have absolutely zero self-esteem. They have very fragile egos. And that is why there's all the more reason for them to protect themselves in order to maintain this fragile self-image. Because when you think about it, let's say the truly successful or the great people out there People such as myself, we're open to feedback. And you know, if you want to criticize me, I'll listen at least because I'm always here ready to improve myself. Whereas narcissists tend to not be able to improve themselves because they believe they're already perfect or they want to project that image at least. Now, it turns out that in today's modern day and age in the world of social media with Instagram and Facebook where everybody is out there fishing for likes, we actually have a lot of narcissists out there because everybody is trying to project this perfect image of their lives and they want to protect that image. And then you can combine that with extremely low self-esteem in a terrible job economy where maybe a lot of people don't actually have much substance backing this stuff up. And so then in any case, what happens is that narcissists tend to derive self-importance through creating attention and drama in your life and it can be totally crazy, meaningless drama in your life, but whatever it is, good attention or bad attention is going to feed into this narcissist's self-relevance. And so then as a result, you may just find you're not able to live a peaceful, calm life, but there's going to be all sorts of blow-ups, drama, arguments over small little things as the narcissist draws attention to themselves, really, and they need to be the center of that attention. And I want to make note that not all narcissists are going to be this self-grandiose, prideful, arrogant type of masculine type of guy. There's also this term known as covert narcissism, which is about people who are They kind of give these backhanded, passive-aggressive jabs at you, reluctantly always the more superior one, kind of just the better one, and you're always being criticized because the narcissist needs to place themselves above you in order to feel importance. And, you know, the irrational thing about all of this is that you should really derive importance from just being out there in the world and succeeding and not really causing drama or even comparing yourself with the other people in your life. And that's not to mention, of course, being able to develop good relationships with people by compromising with them, listening to them, being receptive to critical feedback and looking to improve upon yourself and admitting mistakes wherever you may have made mistakes. And I think that's the path to personal growth, which narcissists tend to not take. Now moving on to the third trait and this is known as the victim mentality so this is a popular one today and it is the idea that some people out there will never blame themselves but blame something else you know they'll blame their parents the government the weather the traffic maybe they'll blame their boss or their colleague or their intern but they're always blaming somebody else never taking full responsibility on their own and let me give you the answer to this i would say yeah sure maybe they're right you know, they maybe can justifiably blame all other things, like they could say it was the weather's fault. But at the same time, there's another subset of people out there who will take 100% responsibility and ownership For everything that happens in their lives. And they would just cover every single contingency. Like if it rains, they'll blame themselves for not having brought an umbrella. If there's a traffic jam, they'll blame themselves for not having properly researched Google Maps and taken the detour. If their parents or teachers were no good for any reason, they would take it upon themselves to go out and find the right mentors in order to help them acquire the life skills they would need to succeed. And so we have these two perspectives in life and they are both justifiable in whatever way you want to argue, but I would say that the ownership mentality where you just cover every single contingency and have backup plans in your life to ensure your own success, that's probably going to be the one that is going to lead you far higher. Okay, moving on to the fourth trait, and this is known as neuroticism. So this is one of the big five personality traits characterized by somebody's worrying about things, being easily disturbed, anxiety, having frequent mood swings, getting irritated easily, often feeling blue or down, depression, or even some bipolar. And so some people out there just seem to worry more or to stress out more. And this neuroticism trait is something that people are actually kind of born with. And you can measure that. You know, like I was playing this game recently, The Last of Us Part 2, which is an excellent game. But there's this reoccurring theme in the game where the characters are presented with a life of happiness. You know, they could settle down in this white picket fence and just live out their days. They don't have to struggle or fight anymore. But the characters keep going back to the idea that they need to struggle. And they go back to fight the zombies, engage in this bloodshed. And there's this speech halfway through the game where the character says that you can choose to be happy. We can figure this out. It's too late. No, no, it isn't. I know. I know it's fucking this. I know. But we can choose to be happy. we allowed to be happy. You hear that? Although many people, we don't choose happiness, we choose the struggle. And you know, as they say, humans tend to need to struggle. If there's nothing to struggle or worry about, then they'll make something up. And I think again, this kind of comes to a sense of moral superiority, perhaps like some people just derive self-importance from being more responsible than other people. They'll say like, well, Unlike you, I actually have responsibility. I actually have to get to work. I got things to do. Unlike you, you're just going to sleep, relax all day. Well, I'm gonna get some real work done today. I need to worry about things. I need to take care of real business. And you know, maybe there's nothing to even worry about or to take care of, but some people are still going to take that stance. And again, it's really just to protect that fragile ego. Okay, moving on to the fifth trait, and this was one that was a little difficult for me to learn, but it's that you cannot help everybody because many times people don't even, they don't even want your help, believe it or not. They're just not in the state in which they're ready to accept your help yet. And if you were to try to do that, they may become resentful, jealous, or bitter against you. And this is based on the idea that you cannot help somebody who is not already helping themselves. And so the classic story is, if you give somebody a fish, they're not going to appreciate it. They're going to chew half of it and trash the rest. Whereas if you teach them how to fish when they catch their own, they're going to really treasure and appreciate that fish and eat the whole thing. And so that's really just not much of a long-term lifestyle. People just learn to subsist on your pity, really. Now moving on to the sixth irrational behavior, and it is that we tend to make decisions on emotions and then we will justify later with logic. So for example, you may go to the mall and then on impulse, make a purchase, a $200 pair of sneakers. And then later on, you're going to justify and rationalize that choice in your mind. You'll say to yourself, well, you know, you were working hard this week. You kind of deserved it. You haven't bought anything nice in a while. If you were to wear the sneakers every single day, maybe you can somehow spread the cost out over many years and would be worthwhile. The quality is better than the cheaper pair of sneakers, In reality, the quality maybe is about the same and you could probably justify the reverse direction as well if you wanted to. And so really my takeaway from this is that these days, I don't listen to excuses so much anymore. I think that we can justify really anything, but people just take whatever course of action that they want to take. And you really need to take a look at people's actions to understand what they wanted. And then, of course, they're going to come up with any number of excuses or rationalization later on to explain why they did what they did. And this is similar to another saying that I like we make time for what is important for us. And so when you think about it, truly none of us are that busy, right? We'll say that we don't have time for a side project or we don't have time to exercise, but in reality, Don't we all have time for say a 30 minute exercise per day? It's simply, we didn't make that time because it wasn't a priority for us. It wasn't important in our mind. If it was important, we would have taken care of it. Okay, and then for our seventh irrational behavior, it is known as the sunk cost fallacy, but it's the idea that people will oftentimes double down on prior actions that they had taken in order to reinforce their own consistency. People must remain self-consistent with whatever actions they had taken in the past. And so what happens is that your self-identity will oftentimes trap you into a certain course of action and it will just keep taking you down some certain path. And so the sunk cost effect is the general tendency for people to continue an endeavor or continue consuming or pursuing an option if they've invested time or money or some sort of resource into it. And so for example, you can imagine there's an unhealthy overweight person and they've just bought into the idea that this is who they are and every day whatever they've been having for their meals that further reinforces their belief and identity. Identity and who they are, but you know what I think. If they were to magically be fit one day and they were on the covers of fitness magazines as one of the most fit people in this planet, then they would probably just be eating salads for lunch every day, and they wouldn't give it a second thought because they would just think to themselves that that's the type of person they are. They're a healthy type of person, and so I think that deep down internally we have this amazing ability to adapt, to change, and to improve ourselves. But oftentimes it is the external environment, the people around us, our society, that continues to reinforce our own identities now one great way to overcome this and to break this chain of having to remain self-consistent I've personally found is to change your geography move somewhere different where you can surround yourself with new people who aren't going to continue reinforcing whatever self-identity that you have for yourself and mentally you can even mark it as a new chapter a fresh start for your life where you can apply some of the newer learnings that you've had and see if you can improve your life for the better that way and I think this may be especially beneficial especially Especially as we get older and acquire baggage, bad habits, and we know what we should be doing. And having that mental mark for a fresh start could give us the chance to actually apply some of the learnings that we've had. So that'll do it for me. Hope you enjoyed the episode, but let me know what are some of the irrational behaviors or traits that you have noticed in the people in your life. Post that in the comments below. I'll see you there. If you like the video, please give it a like and subscribe. Appreciate that. And I'll see you in the next one. Thanks. Bye.